Section 7 of Epics and Romances of the Middle Ages. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Epics and Romances of the Middle Ages by Wilhelm Wagner. Section 7. There once was an emperor of Rome called Dietward. His name was known far and wide for his great deeds. At last, wishing to marry, he sent an embassy to King Ladmer of Westenmer to ask for the hand of his daughter. Ladmer professed himself highly honoured so that so great an emperor should wish to be allied with his house, and begged that Dietward would come to Westenmer and see the princess. That done, the two young people might make up their minds whether they were suited to each other. Dietward consented, and after a stormy passage arrived at his destination, accompanied by a hundred of his bravest warriors. Ladmer received his guest with all courtesy, and told him how glad he would be to have him for a son-in-law, but that the choice of a husband lay with the princess herself, for he would never constrain his daughter to marry against her will. At the feast given in his honour, Dietward dressed himself like his men, but the princess whose duty it was to offer wine to her father's guests, soon saw which was which, and filled his goblet first. That evening her father asked her what she thought of the stranger, and she replied, He seems to be a great prince, but I do not know his ways, and until I know that they are pleasant in my eyes I will not marry him, as I might be very unhappy far away from all that I love, in a foreign land. Her father kissed her, and told her she must do as she pleased but in his heart of hearts he hoped she would say yes. A great hunt was arranged for the following day, the object of which was the destruction of a number of stags, for they had grown so numerous that they had done a great deal of mischief in the neighbourhood. Now it happened that Princess Minnie was a mighty huntress, and so she begged her father to let her join him on that day also, for she loved the sport, and, as he knew, her arrow could reach its goal as surely as that of any man. Dietwort did not much relish seeing her so employed. He thought it was not maidenly, and confided to his friends that he would rather seek a wife among the daughters of the great princes at home than wed such a hoyden as the Lady Minnie. But, however that might be, it was his duty, and theirs as men, to see that the giddy girl got into no danger through a foolhardiness. As they were going down a narrow glen, Minnie wounded a splendid stag, and the dogs set out in pursuit, while the princess, drawing another arrow from her quiver, hastened after them. Suddenly, the dogs set up a simultaneous howl and rushed out of the thicket. The ladies of the court shrieked aloud, The worm! they cried. The lindworm! Come back, Lady Minnie! Come back! And at the same moment, turning quickly, they fled across the valley and took refuge on top of a neighbouring hill. A frightful hissing, cracking, and trampling was heard, and the dragon crept out of the thicket, its jaws wide open, ready to seize its prey. It was a sight to make the bravest man tremble. Princess Minnie shot three arrows, one after the other, straight at the monster, but they glanced harmless off its horny scales. She turned to fly, but a foot caught a branch, and she fell to the ground, she seemed lost, for the dragon was making ready to spring upon her. Dietwort and his men were close at hand. The latter threw themselves on the worm, 
while the former took his stand before the girl to defend her. It was a horrible sight. Lances, swords, arrows were no defence. They could not pierce the monster's scales, and one brave man after another was caught in its claws, or was torn by its terrible teeth, which in shape resembled the anchors of a ship. Dietwort rushed to the assistance of his friends. He struck at the lindworm's neck with his lance, but the point slipped from the scales, and the dragon tore his breast with its claws. It opened its great jaws as wide as it could to seize and devour him. But the hero thrust the shaft of his spear into his gigantic mouth, and worked it round and round with such force that the point came out at the other side. A stream of poison and flames of fire issued from the creature's nostrils, and the hero fell fainting to the ground, the dying monster on the top of him. Dietwort was roused from his insensibility by feeling himself violently shaken. When he opened his eyes, he saw the princess struggling to free him from the dragon's body. Some woodmen came up and helped her. When at last he rose to his feet, he was so weak that he could not stand, and the men made a litter of wattled boughs on which they carried him to the palace. The wound on his chest was carefully bound up, and no one thought much of it, because the flesh alone had been torn. But it festered badly, and the edges turned black, as though they had been burned. The doctors declared that some of the dragon's poisonous breath had touched it, and they feared for the hero's life. The king, the court, nay, the whole country, mourned for the man who had rid them of the monster. One morning, as Diet Ward lay sunk in a feverish doze, after the intense pain of the night, he felt a hand busied around his wound. Strange to say, the hand felt both softer and gentler than that of the doctor. He opened his eyes and recognized the princess. He watched her carefully remove the bandages and dropped some liquid from a bottle into his burning wound. The pain at once left him. He would have thanked her, but she signed to him to be silent. After she had placed the bandages and motioned to the nurses to be still, she went away as gently as she'd come. The wounded man felt as free from pain as if an angel had brought him some of the water of life. He fell into a quiet slumber. At night the pain returned, but the next morning Minnie came back and poured balm into his wound. On the third morning she came again. He felt so much stronger that he could not refrain from seizing her hand and pressing it to his lips. She withdrew it gently and went away signing to him once more to hold his peace. The doctor rejoiced at the rapid recovery of his patient. When told what had happened, he said that the royal maid had received the miraculous balm from her mother on her deathbed, and that she was forbidden to use it except in cases of great necessity, and for those whom she loved. For those she loved, repeated the hero, and he felt strangely happy. When he was well again, he one day met her alone in the garden, and told her of his love. They talked together for a long time, and when good King Ladmer heard of their engagement, he gave them his blessing. The marriage feast was soon afterwards held, and there, in the middle of the table, as one of its greatest ornaments, was one of the dragon's teeth, set in silver. A nice little tooth it was, weighing at least half a hundred weight. The husband and wife set out for Rome. The winds and waves favoured them, and they soon reached Diet Ward's native land. The legend informs us that they lived very happily together for four hundred years, 
and had 44 children, of whom one son, Sigehir, alone survived them. But it does not tell us whether that Lady Minnie took kindly to her household duties, or always remained fonder of field sports than of needlework. End of section 7